Morning. Good job coming to church on New Year's Day. Points for you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Isaiah 40. That's uh, what we're going to dig into today. I uh, hope your Christmas was amazing. Uh, we're still trying to get our house in order after all the chaos. And I don't know if you've had time to sit down and think about like uh, 2023 resolutions and goals, but apparently that's what you're supposed to do uh, every year, uh, the calendar, you know, every calendar year. Um, and it's so interesting. Uh, every new year, uh, we sit down and we beat ourselves up for not doing all the things we know we already should be doing uh, and for some reason didn't follow through the previous year. Um, no one here, here's something about New Year's resolutions in the whole thing. No one here is going to be super shocked to hear um, that, hey, hey, exercise is good for you. Like, you should exercise. I don't think anyone in this room is like, what? But every year around this time, gym memberships spike, right? And diets are started and commitments are made because we're trying to make up for the past year of unhealthy choices, right? And which normally lasts around three weeks. I'll give you about three weeks, right? Um, by mid-February, if you're still going strong, like, dude, you might have changed some of your habits. That's amazing, right? But most people are going to fizzle out in a couple weeks, maybe a month. And we often get caught in this cycle and never realize um, that, look, look right here, uh, it is not knowledge that you lack, it's not knowledge. It's the information age, right? Like, we got knowledge. You all know you're supposed to floss, right? Like, you all know that you shouldn't drink a Chick-fil-A milkshake every day. Doesn't stop me, right? right? See, we get caught up, y'all, thinking, I just need more knowledge. I just need more practical things. I'm just telling you, that's not true. Uh, for most of us, the basic habits of spiritual and physical healthy living, it's not an issue of lack of knowledge. It's an issue of lack of motivation for most of us. There's something under the surface missing. And no matter how much research you do, if you don't have a strong answer to the question, why am I doing this? Like, why be healthy? Why be disciplined? What am I reaching for? What am I hoping in? You will fizzle out every time. Now, a few super disciplined people in this room are like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm, I'm boss. I'm not changing anything. I'm killing it all. That's fine for the rest of us, right? Uh, I want our hearts to reverberate with the words of, of the prophet um, as we sit on the edge of 2023 and see what he might, ancient, ancient wisdom, 3,000 years old, this book, Isaiah, right? And let's see what the prophet might say to us that could bear um, some weight on us as we sit at the turning of a calendar year. So Isaiah 40, verse 25. So we're starting. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and see. Who created these things? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right just claim, oh, so maybe your, your scripture says, justice do me, your interpretation, why is it disregarded by my God? And the prophet answers his own question. Have you not known? 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They, the person who waits on God, he's going to run and not be weary. The soul who hopes in the living God is going to walk and not faint. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, would you rest on our hearts as we sit with your scripture? And would you empower your words in our lives right now that you would animate dead places in us, God? God, I pray for every heart and soul in this place uh, for whom there has become numbness in their hearts towards you. God, would you have mercy on us as we look about, look over the next year? And God, I pray that you would just help us right now orient true north. God, help us right now get our bearings that we might run a race that's worth running. Come Holy Spirit, we love you. And let me pray these things, amen. It seems clear from this passage uh, the people that Isaiah is addressing were exhausted, religiously, relationally, just exhausted, right? And in their frustration, they cry out, where is justice due me? That's what they said. My way's hidden from you, God. I'm doing all the things and I'm not getting what I should be getting for doing the things that just justice due me, my rights. As a religious person, these are religious people, people that trusted in God, had all sorts of rules and regulations and, and customs, and they were doing all the things, all the things, right? Like volunteering at church, going to small group, all the things they were doing. And they said, you know what? It's not working out the way it should be. Something's not right. And instead of pulling their own hearts and minds into question, of course not. Of course it's not them. <laughs> right? Of course it's not you. Of course it's not me. It's God. He's the one holding out on us. He's the one not holding up his end of the deal. My way's hidden from you, God. That's what they're saying. They're saying, I'm doing all the right things and you're not, God. You're the one who's unfair. I'm doing the right things. Why isn't my life working out? And the reality is, if you read the rest of the book, they, in fact, were not doing the right things. Read the book. And I think you know that's true of yourself too. As much as we want to be tempted to raise our fists at God, railing against him because the present circumstances we find ourselves in, you know deep in your hearts, there's parts of you that says, you know what, but I really probably deserve it. Now we, of course, sh sh we push that under the rug and we move on, right? These guys had not actually been faithful. Read the book, read all of Isaiah. It's not true. They had not done the right things. They had abandoned the Lord. They'd, they'd uh, forsaken him in their hearts, all the while doing the right things externally. 
like many Christians, right? Man, doing all the right things. So of course, there's a temptation in our hearts when we look back over the past year and say, I feel like I was doing the right things. I feel like I was being obedient and things are not working out the way. There's a temptation in your heart to raise your fist against God and put him um, in, in the, uh, the, the trial, put him on trial, right? As if he's holding out on you. Isaiah, here in this scripture, Isaiah is talking to people who had lost the sense of the power of God in their life. They had lost the sense of the might and the strength of God in their life, right in the midst of doing all the right things religiously. In the midst of all their doings, they felt disconnected from the strength of God. For them, now of course not for us, because we're sophisticated and modern people, uh, but for them, the power and the strength of God seemed alien. That kind of stuff was for storybooks. We read about it, and we think about from a distance and say, wouldn't that be nice to have the strength and the power of God in our hearts and lives? But man, it's just not, I mean, I'm sure none of us can relate to that, right? No, dude, totally. Like, I'm there. I'm there. A man, read the book. And you say, it seems like these guys had this kind of undercurrent of power that was going on in their lives. And I look at my life and I think, hmm, something's, we can relate to this more than we want to admit. Doing the right things and yet lacking a sense of the real power of God in our hearts and lives. We're tempted to think, I'm obviously doing the right thing and God must be holding out on me. And Isaiah is saying, that's not really the issue. It's not the issue here. You might could say there's two main things uh, the prophet's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, the reason you're exhausted, which I love just the irony of this, type of this time of year, because like we're all exhausted. Like our house is still in chaos, right? We're still trying to wrap it up from Christmas and like get out of debt, right, from all the things. All of us are just exhausted. And then our culture's like, oh, by the way, you need to have a vision for your life and like five goals. You need to have five, you know? And it's like, are you kidding me? Can, we, can I just get through 2020, 2022 first, right? And here Isaiah is saying, hey, here's the reason. Here's the reason you're exhausted. Here's the reason you're frustrated and you have no energy for life and obedience and thriving. No energy for your kids. No energy for your spouse. No energy for your work. Here's why. Number one, you've forgotten who God is. Did you catch it in the scripture? He asked the question, haven't you heard? Don't you know? This is the guy who created all things by the breath of his mouth. So number one, you've forgotten who God is. And number two, because you've forgotten who God is, you have stopped hoping in him. You've stopped hoping in a man. Like the wind's blowing, but your sails are in the water. Your life's upside down. You've been trying to fuel the ship of your life with the hope of fill in the blank, money, sex, whatever, pleasure, fame, comfort, things that were never, never able to supply you with a vision for life. <laughs> Those things are in no way sufficient to supply you with a vision for what it means to be human. Money, pleasure, Fame, that's what it means to be human. No, never able to fully motivate you past yourself. See, all those things terminate on you, you see. That's why they can't motivate you past yourself. All those things are for you, about you, right? They can't push you past yourself. And here's the crazy thing about life. What if you're a part of the problem? I know we're in church and Chris, can you just like give us an inspiring speech that we can like go achieve our ABC? No, listen, telling you there's something flawed in the ship, man. There's internal things that scripture's going to say have to be worked out, 
right? Isaiah is getting at this underlying reality. And what is it that he's getting at? Well, this idea of waiting for. This is, what he, this is, his, this is his solution. What is waiting for? Let's not over-spiritualize it, guys. Come on. What's, it's, it's just hoping in. All of you are waiting for something. We're all waiting for something, right? When you're in high school, you're waiting to graduate. Right? You were waiting to get your driver's license. And then my life, then, when, then, you, when you, then you got your driver's license, you're like, man, I'm just waiting to go to college. I'm just waiting to go to college. As soon as I go to college, life's going to work out, right? And then you go to college, didn't happen. Then you got a job. You're like, man, I'm just waiting for a job. Then as soon as you get the job, you're waiting to get more money from your job. All right? And you're just waiting for it, right? And then, and then you realize this is not enough money. And also, my, jo- my, jer- my job, my job, my job, what am I trying to say? My boss is a jerk. Thank you. Someone knew it. You just read me right there. So then, what are you doing? You're waiting for what? A new job, for more money. And then that didn't work. So then you're waiting. What are you waiting for now? Oh, I just got to get married, dude. As soon as I get married, my life's going to work out. And then that, then you're like, man, I'm just waiting to have, (laughs) waiting to have kids, right? And they're waiting to have kids. And that was, right? And then you're like, you know what? No, it's, I know what it is. I know what it is. I'm overweight. That's what it is. And then we're waiting for 2023. (laughs) Y'all, all week, I have been waiting for 20... You know how I've been waiting? Like, just stuffing myself with salted caramels. <laughs> Dude, I am not going to lie. My wife got me salted caramels for Christmas. Three of them are 120% of your sugar intake for the day. <laughs> and I was just waiting for 20... Ah, just downing them, right? And we said, you know what? Actually, you know what we need? This is what I need. I need 2023. <sighs> and here we are. And then I'm like, you know what? There's a few more salted caramels left. You know? We're just waiting, aren't we? You get married, then you're just waiting. Dude, if you don't believe me, just talk to someone. What's wrong? Oh, dude, everything's bad. It's just well over here. I'm just, just waiting for a new job. And it'll fix it. Man, you know, I'm just, it's just, I was just barely making it. I'm just waiting to get more money. You are waiting for what you are hoping in. And you're hoping in dumb stuff most of the time, if we're honest, right? Don't over-spiritualize it. Don't over-spiritualize it. What does it mean to wait on God, Chris? It means you hope. What are you hoping for? When you're waiting for that raise, you're hoping for it. When you're waiting to lose this thing or get that job, you're hoping that you're going to get that thing and it's going to fix things. It's saying hope in God. Stop waiting for things that will ultimately let you down. I mean, he's a lovely spouse. It's not meant to carry the weight of your existence. It's a great job, tons of money. Not meant to give you a vision for what it means to be alive. And the prophet is saying, the reason you're exhausted, like how many of us have absolutely unrealistic goals for 2023? Anyone else like me? I'm like, ah, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna knock it all out, I'm gonna take it out. A long mental list of things that I'm gonna probably fail at, right? Some of us right now in this room are more tired when we think about our 2023 than we, right? You're like, oh, this is, right? And he's saying, listen, what's the foundation here? There's a motivation going on in your heart that you, I think a little dose of self-awareness is going to do us really, really good if we're going to get in, right? Like what's motivating all these things that you have, your knockout list of 2023? This is what Isaiah is getting at. He's saying, listen, Motivation, the why behind the what, will determine the success or failure of this next year for you. 
And he's asking us a question when he pulls up this idea of waiting and hoping. He's asking us, what really motivates you? So let's, let's sit with the prophet. Let's sit with it. What motivates you? What motivates you? Like, this is what I mean. What do you mean motivate? Okay, this is what I mean. What do you see and it makes you want to jump out of your seat and get in front of the line? Woo, woo, woo. Like, what gets your blood pumping? What is it? Quit staring at me and think about it. What is it? What gets your blood pumping? Like, what are you like? Ooh, yeah, it makes me just want to, it gives you energy. Like, you think about it. It's like Pavlov's bell. You know Pavlov's bell? You know, when the, the, the ding and then the dog starts salivating because he's thinking about the treat? What? Yeah, salted caramels, baby. Hey, yeah. Huh? Those are, those are, yeah, she got, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. No. That would be better, but she did get them for me. Um, yeah, what, like, what is the thing that you think about and you're like, oh, I'll tell you, here's, here's something that gets every American's blood pumping. Passive income. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does that not get your blood pumping? If I could just do an online course, I just set it up, people just pay me. For nothing. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's control. A lot of us, man, just the idea of being boss. If I were in control, my life would be different, right? Maybe it's pleasure. A lot of us, it's probably pleasure. A lot of people's pleasure. Just need that fix. Yeah, that makes me all get, let me get in front of the line for that one. I would need that. Some of us, some people, it's um, fame, fame, reputation, to be well-spoken of. Oh, if people just uh, quit and just love, if, if, if I was accepted, if he would just accept me, oh, that would, right? Dude, that has physical effects on your body. What you hope in affects you. All of a sudden, you have energy that you didn't prior have. And here God is saying, listen, the reason you're exhausted, the reason there's no life, and the reason you're frustrated is because, let me just, come on, I mean, I love you. Is it possible that you have locked your hope in on something that is not God? Something that was not made to carry your existence? Is it possible that you have locked all of your happiness and hope on your spouse? That's why you're so frustrated with everything in life? Is it possible that you've locked your hope on your job to fulfill you as a human being and give you purpose and meaning and secure you and keep you safe? That's, that's a pretty subtle, nuanced temptation, isn't it? And God is saying... When we lock our hope in on these other things, you were made to hope. You were created for it. You're going to hope in something. And if it's locked in on something that is not substantial enough, something that lacks the density to hold your life up, you will be frustrated. Listen to me. Frustration and anger is an indicator on the dash. Frustration and anger is an indicator on the dash. It's like your car dashboard. See that little thing? That, you know, you got C and H, cold and hot. 
If you see that thing going up to the, to the hot, if you bust your dash, does that fix it? <laughs> no. No, no, dummy. That's an indicator of something else. If you are angry and continually frustrated, that's, dude, your life's trying to tell you something. Maybe God. Maybe he's trying to say, hey, man, is it possible you have locked your hope on something other than me? Can I just be real honest with you? No, fine. Okay, whatever. Forget it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I have um, spent the last five years of my life bivocational. I've shot weddings um, to, to make money for my family. Um, the past five years. So, so Saturdays, like I'll shoot a wedding, get home super dumb late, and then come to church. It's like, that's why you're so weird. You're delirious. Um, and, and so pretty cool. Uh, this, new, this year is the first year I've been able to say, okay, I'm not going to shoot weddings anymore. I'm going to focus solely on the church. Church is going to be able to pay more. It's pretty, pretty exciting. So as I've been reflecting on this, um, man, I, I've had some pretty like bummer realizations about myself. What I found is that if I'm shooting a wedding, it really doesn't matter like how weird or exhausted I am or weird the request is or, you know, um, like if, if they're asking me to do stuff that like, hey, that's like, you know, it doesn't include that or can I get this too? Can I? I'm, like, I'm always like, yeah, dude, yeah, totally. You want me to hang upside down from a tree? Take a picture? Yes, yes. You want me to, you want me to edit out your third chin? Totally. No problem. Like not included, but I'll do it, you know, because you know why? I'm making that money, you know? Jump up and down for that. And then I realized, like, I would come here. And I'd be like, why? what is this? Like, what? This is not my job. Why, why is that not done? I mean, I got to do that too. I'm exhausted, just dragging my knuckles, right? It's a, it's a bummer of a realization that you will put out more of yourself to make a buck than you will for the man who bled for you. It's kind of a bummer when you realize, dude, you're, like, who provides for you, bro? You, pro, you provide for you? Or does God, pro, like, who's given you all this stuff? And it's a little sobering for me to, to have this realization that I'm more willing to wear myself out to make a buck than I am to say thank you to the man who bled out for me. And it's this subtle, sneaky thing that happens in our hearts when our hope begins to shift. When we begin to think the real thing that I need is more money. And that will affect it, won't it? It'll affect everything. It'll affect your marriage. All of a sudden, you will be willing to sacrifice things on the altar of making more money that you would not have been willing to sacrifice, like your marriage, like your relationship with your children, why? Because I'm hoping in this, and therefore I will sacrifice for it. I'll put it all on the line. Don't over-spiritualize what it means to wait on God. It means hoping in Him, waiting. It's looking to Him for the fulfillment and the salvation, right? The goodness that we all want in life. And He's saying, do you want strength? The prophet's saying, dude, do you want endurance that makes Rocky Balboa look like the chubby kid in PE class? 
You want, you want endurance? You want discipline? You want, like, he, he brings up a kid. Like, and I think, he says, dude, even kids wear out. And I'm like, well, you're not mad at my kids, man, because they don't wear right? Even kids are going to get tired. But those who hope in God, they will renew their strength. And he calls to mind an eagle. You ever seen an eagle? Like effortless, just soaring with the eagles. It means you make it look easy. It means all of, it just, where is that strength coming? You're just, you're not even working, it seems. You see an eagle fly? Just coasting. How are you up there so high? He's, he's calling to mind this image and saying, dude, those who wait on me, their lives will take on this attribute. People will look to you and say, how do you do it? How do you keep going? Where's your endurance come from? And you, we, we think the opposite would happen. I'm just sitting around waiting on the Lord all the time. Well, you're not doing anything. No, it's quite the opposite. You hope in God and you will become a catalyst for change in your community. Your life will begin to transform the arena that you find yourself in because that's how hope works. That's how hope works. It bleeds out of you, man. It bubbles up over the surface and it spills out on those around you. So does anger and so does frustration. What are you doing in your community, right? Like what's the effect your life is having? Is it one of hope? Is it bubbling over with life and joy or is it the opposite? These are the questions that I ask myself when the years come around. I ask myself, who am I becoming? Not necessarily what am I doing, but who am I becoming? Let me just ask you a question right now. If you change nothing about your life, change nothing, same habits, same attitudes, same work ethic, same approach to your relationship, same, marriage, same approach to parenthood, same approach to church. In 10 years, who would you be? If you change nothing. See, when I think about the new year coming around, I don't want to ask, I, I, the, the practical to-do list is great, but to me, it's the motivation. It's the why behind the what. And the why behind the what for me is I want to be a person who brings glory to God. And the way that that can happen or will happen is when I become a certain kind of person, not just checking off a to-do list. The prophet here, I think, is saying, you have to lock your hope on something more substantial than green paper, right? Or a marble-covered bathroom. I don't know what it is, right? You're waiting for the wrong thing, okay? And we're all waiting for something. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time in prayer. You cool with that? I thought that seems fitting, right? Let's pray and ask God to help us as we sit on the edge of a new year. And we read the scripture in, in prayer earlier this morning. You know that scripture? It's Isaiah, I know it's Psalms, like 120 something. Unless the Lord builds the house, um, the laborers labor in vain. Do you know that one? I think of that when the new year comes around and we start to put these ambitious goals in front of us. Um, and I, I, I would like to suggest to you that there's some truth there that I think needs to adjust the goals that you are, want to pursue. Unless the Lord's building that house, man, 
it, it, the, the scripture says, you know, you're going to rise early in vain. You're going to stay up late in vain unless the Lord builds the house. So it's pretty important as if you're the kind of person who's setting out agendas and goals for yourself right now that we sit and ask, what does God have in mind for this next year for me? I know you have things. I have things in mind. Those may or may not be what God has in mind for you. In fact, I would argue those things are probably fall pretty short in glory and joy and abundance than what God has for you. So let's pray. Let's spend some time praying. And I'm going to um, ask you some questions. Okay? So just get in a position that you can pray however that is for you. Let me just ask you, a few questions to contemplate. And as I'm asking, maybe if it brings anything up, just bring that to God, okay? Holy Spirit, would you make us aware of your presence? We often invite, uh, you know, we say things like, come Holy Spirit, or Stuff like that. And right now, um, actually, I want to invite you into his presence. Um, uh, God, God is with us, man. Like his Holy Spirit is here. I want to invite you into his presence. So God, right now, help us put down distractions. God, help us scale the obstacles in our hearts right now that stop us from talking to you. Stop us from being present with you. Come, Holy Spirit. God, speak peace to the chaotic waters of our soul right now. I just feel like right now there's tons of objections coming up in your heart and mind, tons of distractions. Father, arrest those things right now, Lord, and help us to be with you, sit with you, wait on you. Let me... Let me ask you some questions. What would your life look like if you began to put pressure on the promises of God? Does that mean pressure? Like, what would your life really look like if you saw, if you just tested, see if the promises of God can hold your weight, like step out on it a little bit, like this one. He has forgiven every sin. Like he, he's taken all of the blots, the, 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 the character imperfections, the guilt and the shame, the regret. Like he's taken all that from you and he's thrown it as far as the east is from the west. Okay, what would it look like if you put pressure on that? If you, if you stood out on it and said, can this hold my weight? Can this hold? Can, can it really absolve the guilt, dissolve it, remove it? Dude, what would it look like if you, if you began to put pressure on the promises of God? How about this? What about this? I'm with you, even to the end of the age, always. Okay. All right. What would it look like in your real life, man? Like your real life. If you begin to put pressure on that, you're with me. You're next to me, near me.
What are the things that you are doing right now, habits, attitudes, mindsets, that you know are sabotaging your walk with God? Like you know it. You know this isn't doing you any favors when it comes to walking with Jesus. All right. Lift those things up to God right now. Like take your little fists off of them for a second. So right now in your heart, name the things to God that you know are sabotaging your walk with him. Father, all these things that we've uh, acknowledged before you, I, I see them like a, um, like a pile of things on our shoulders, right? Like if, you're, if your spirit is a house, okay? It's like this pile of stuff sitting on the roof. Father, would you, would you just alter the incline of that roof so that these things fall off of us in the name of Jesus? God, the guilt sin, attitudes, habits, Lord, would you mercifully let those things just fall to the wayside in the name of Jesus by the power of the cross. God, we help us cling to your promise, Lord, that your blood has covered every ounce of sin, past, present, and future. That, your, that the cross is sufficient to deal with everything. God, that you've given us everything we need for godliness. Help us walk in it, Jesus. Father, over every heart who has been honest before you about the obstacles and the difficulties and the things that are causing the frustration and the anger in their life, God, would you... Um, remove their guilt and shame in the name of Jesus. I say to your heart, I'm just going to echo what scripture says over you. I'm going to speak as if it's true. I just say to your heart, be forgiven in the name of Jesus. I say to you, receive his peace. God, thank you that by faith, we can enter into a completely new way of living. And we just say, Lord, uh, we believe, help our unbelief. Come Holy Spirit. Just end uh, with this thought for you. Half of my parenting is just helping my kids be self-aware. Like, you stop. You're about to knock that over. Uh, you're, you know, stop doing that. Stop doing that. You're doing this. This is going to happen, right? Um, a little, little dose of self-awareness is probably a good thing uh, at a time like this. And Dallas Willard applied this really unsettling uh, idea uh, about business to discipleship and spiritual formation. He said, your system is perfectly designed to get you the results you are getting. Thanks, Dallas. Um, frustration, anger, exhaustion, as much as you want to blame our circumstance, I think we know in our hearts our response to those things are way more important than the circumstance themselves, right? And your habits and attitudes are guiding your life in a way that I'm not sure if we all really, truly acknowledge all the time. 
So as we sit on the edge of a new year, uh, I just want to encourage you, just as your brother, as a Christian, another Christian, um, look to God. Look to God. Make time in the equation of your day for the creator of the universe. Just from a friend to a friend. Wait on the Lord. Hope in him. And see what marks this next year for your life. If you'll put it on the line, man. Like, go for it. Make it a non-negotiable. Jesus, thank you that you are calling us not into another to-do list, but into relationship with yourself. Father, I just pray for all my friends right now um, for whom their relationship with you is, is wanting, maybe even non-existent. Like they're doing the things, they're going to church, but in terms of walking on a journey with you, it feels like a one-sided walk. So Holy Spirit, would you make yourself known in our hearts today who many of us exhausted, tired? God, would you call us to the quiet Call us to your presence, God, ever waiting, um, always near us, Lord. Um, God, help us to see that we can enjoy your presence like we can walk through a door. It's just getting up and walk. You're, you're right near us. God, Jesus said the kingdom of God's at hand. You can reach out and touch it. Help us, Jesus. Uh, step into your kingdom to seek it first and foremost. We love you, God. Lord, show us where you're building the house and help us join in. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, if we can pray for you for anything, we got people that would love to pray for you um, up on either side of the stage. Just come up and we'd love to do it. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.